This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. President Obama has spent the better part of the last several weeks moving his agenda on climate change quickly forward. The goal is to have other measures in place before the Global World Summit on Climate Change in Paris in early December. The latest step in this process is a move to increase our use of renewable energy. The levels of electricity collected from wind turbines as well as solar collection stations has increased over the last several years. And now one of the goals that the president talked about this week is to have one-third of all electric usage come from wind by the year 2050. To look at what we should expect, not only in wind, but also solar collection, we are welcome back uh, our friend Ruben Lobel, who is Wharton Assistant Professor in the Operations and Information Management Department. And we welcome in for the first time Andy Humler, who is a Senior Lecturer in Energy and Sustainability in the School of Engineering and Applied Science. Uh, Ruben, good to see you again. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. Thanks for bringing me in. Andy, welcome. Good morning. Thank you very much. Uh, The president's speech in Las Vegas the other day, uh, very hopeful uh, in terms of the goals that he would like to see reached over the next 30 years or so. Uh, Very optimistic. Uh, Do you agree that these are possible, or uh, is this, uh, in some respects, something that still needs to be worked out? Um, I I definitely think it's possible. Uh, the question is all about the economic trade-offs and uh, how do you get there? How do you design the right policies to to get PV to take off and wind to take off? Right. So a lot of the media focuses on uh, small projects here and there or affordable housing PV and mm-hmm. uh, some of these things uh, will, will make more of a political impact than a serious impact on the on the adoption than. Uh, for example, what the solar initiative did in California, like the the, the straight up cash subsidy uh-huh. for solar adoption, right? And you see California adopted like more than three gigawatts of, of solar power, right? An affordable housing program that that he talked about in Nevada was like 300 megawatts, yep. right? So it, it, it's that's uh, that's not the most important part of the plan. I think the most important part of the plan is that uh, the clean power plan, the, the, re- the goal of reducing carbon emissions mm-hmm. from the power sector by uh, on the order of 30% uh, from the 2005 levels. So that's, that's going to make a, a serious dent on the power industry, and a lot of states are going to start uh, suing <laughs> the EPA <laughs> and, and, him, uh, and, and the White House for that. We're, we're going to see how that plays out. Andy? Yeah, it's an incredibly impressive list that... Uh, the administration has put together uh, in the 18-page summary, uh, they're really chasing down a lot of things. Uh, is it possible to achieve these goals by 2030, 2050? Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, some of the things on the long end, uh, far out might be a little bit of a stretch goal, but I think the one of the key things uh, Obama is doing here is he's really accelerating a technical advance here. He's mm-hmm. putting some money in research. A lot of these technologies, uh, as are noted in the fact sheet, have come an incredible way just in the last few years. So I, I think kind of the twofold thing that I'm looking at here is uh, 
accelerate implementation of some technologies that we know how to do, mm -hmm. uh, weatherization being one, solar being another, wind being another, and then on the, on the back end, provide research funding to advance those technologies so they'll be ready. 15, 20 years down the road. One of the other announcements he made uh, this this past week was uh, the push to get uh, more military bases lined up with solar. Absolutely. Which, uh, you know, this is something that's not new. I mean, it's been going on for the last several years. But again, it, I guess if the government is leading the way in this, that's certainly a, a good example to set forth for the remainder of the country. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense from a number of perspectives. Uh, a lot of people, military, uh, especially are worried about uh, resilience of the grid, grid stability mm -hmm. and, and the like. And if there's ever a perfect place, uh, to mesh uh, defense policy with energy policy, it's it's with uh, military bases. Uh, in fact, the uh, facilities director here at Penn is a former Navy guy and mm. was in charge of a military base and is implementing is is uh, uh, started to work with micro. He's very knowledgeable about microgrids in the military community. Penn's starting just at the very early stages of thinking about the same thing. So it's it's something that we're talking about that really the the, the cost reductions as we've talked uh, on this show with you before, Ruben is it's amazing that if you go into a community in various portions of the country, it's very easy to find at least one or two people that have some form of solar power that they are collecting on their house and. and the cost savings that we've seen and the, and the the benefits that consumers just in general have make this so much easier to push forward over the next 30 years or so. Yeah, absolutely. And also uh, new business models like leasing business models that doesn't require consumers to pay the upfront cost. Yeah. And allows them to capitalize the, the value of solar over its lifetime, not needing to have a chunk of money sitting in your bank account to 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 put in a solar panel on your rooftop i think it removes a huge bottleneck and i think obama does talk a, a lot about you know zero percent down solar panels in this new proposal plan mm -hmm. but uh, again uh, the 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 military base thing it's a showcase it's n it doesn't really yeah. make that much of an economic impact it doesn't as as you might imagine as a program that really tries to get the average joe to be able to put solar panel on his rooftop, and I think that's that's a critical part of, about solar panels. They they uh, you leverage their 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 competitiveness when you when you get distributed generation, when you get uh, solar panels mm -hmm. in people's rooftops, because that removes the necessity for more transmission lines and more uh, uh, picker plants because of the synergies of when solar is produced. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, so, some things that could, for example, be implemented into policy, like pushing more real-time pricing, getting the price signals from the market mm -hmm. into into average consumers, that could really make a significant impact into solar panel adoption. Uh, uh, that's not really something that it's been discussed yet. I don't really know exactly what's the what's the politics involved for for that one to be adopted. Carbon taxes, for example, wasn't uh, mentioned, but that, that one we understand. That it's right, a, that's kind so of important, highly, yeah. Yeah, but if you ask any economist, what's the first thing that you should do to get clean energy out there to reduce carbon emissions? Carbon tax. It's no yeah. no doubt the first. Price on carbon. Price on carbon is the most critical thing that still needs to be done. And my sense is, uh, with the price on, uh, if there is a price on carbon, we're going to see a lot more happen. Uh, one of the things we got to remember is the House of Representatives in uh, June of 2009 passed a comprehensive cap-and-trade program, mm -hmm. kind of unimaginable now. Yeah, yeah. 
And then again, I think the current House of Representatives is a little <laughs> unimaginable. But uh, uh, since that time in 2009, when it didn't go anywhere, I've seen my students, I've been to plenty of conferences, and there's just an amazing amount of innovation without this price on carbon. So I keep thinking if there is a price on carbon, uh, we're going to see a lot more innovation. I mean, 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times more innovation. Uh, people are coming up with with really interesting ideas. There's a whole industry that's developed, uh, as we can see here, uh, that is really, I think, going to take off, be a job creator. What are the, some of the things you're, you're referring to? I mean, what, what are the areas that we should probably be seeing, uh, you know, in the next decade or two? Um. The biggest one that I want to come back to is just energy efficiency. Yeah. I mean, that, that has always been uh, energy strategy number one. Mm -hmm. And if we uh, if there is a price on carbon, uh, energy prices should go up just <clears throat> enough. Um, uh, carbon emission credits and the like should be valuable enough that that will provide people more incentives to, to do this. Um, I think there's going to be more – Focus on things like energy storage. Uh, I'm not sure how much better solar can be. It's it's really it's really gotten good. Uh, my colleagues, I'm, I'm curious what my colleagues in the engineering school uh, think of the marginal returns on mm -hmm. more solar. Uh, as Ruben says, one of the things that the financial community has figured out how to do is is package uh, this whole whole solar. Uh, delivery down to the customer. They've got the financing programs together. They yeah. know how to buy the panels. They know how to market it. Uh, if you go to Best Buy right now, there's somebody from Solar City at the door signing you up for solar. It's a really boring job, but I mean, basically, uh, it's kind of unstoppable when they say you can sign up for this with no money up front and your electric bill is going to go down. I mean, it's the, the way solar is structured right now, unfortunately, with some. Uh, somewhat generous subsidies on the residential side, uh, it's completely unstoppable. You think uh, you go back, let's say, maybe about 10 years or so, you probably never would have even expected to see somebody like that standing at your local oh. hardware store yeah. oh. saying, hey, come on, you can sign up for this. No problem. Don't worry about it. Six or seven years ago, uh, I, I heard a, a solar analyst talk about the future of solar, and he said it was going to uh, happen quicker than you think and be cheaper than you think. And I just kind of chuckled. You know, I've been hearing that for 15 <laughs> or 20 years. Uh, and, and it's happened in a big way. Um, so it, it's there. What do you see then Then going forward with the with the president's uh, push, obviously in solar, but also just renewables in general? Because the, the, he threw out that, that magic uh, number of, you know, one-third of our consumption of electricity from wind. And obviously, if, if you go around to different ports, uh, parts of the country right now, uh, there are, you know, various massive wind farms yep. that, are, that pop up all across the United States, obviously in California. But, you know, being here in Pennsylvania, you're even now seeing them going across the Pennsylvania turnpike, turnpike yep. going to Pittsburgh. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, the investment in those from a corporate perspective is, is much greater than, say, about 15 years ago. And obviously the returns are much greater as well. Huge. Uh yeah, I, I, I definitely think that we can that the uh, energy economy can be one-third wind by um, uh, 2050. There are a lot of problems to work out with this. Uh, technically, it's possible, but integrating all of that wind in with the current electric system uh, is going to require a, a lot of lot of thinking, yeah. a lot of um, 
yeah, uh, think, a lot of integration. I think what you're bringing up is the intermittency of wind, right? It's uh, uh, it, it's really hard to predict when exactly wind is going to come in. <laughs> yeah. if, you're, if you're relying on it for a third of your power generation, you're going to need a lot of backup generation to be on standby or more efficient, more economical storage systems. Uh, and I think that's that's something that can be worked on by by 2050. Yes, that, that's definitely something that can can be done. Right. Is yeah. it is it are we sitting at a time right now where obviously we're in a in a shift with how we really think about how we collect our our energy these days. Are we getting closer and closer to a point where the new norm is going to be solar and wind? I mean, they're probably still a ways off, but I mean, at least that is a thought in the process now. Absolutely. I think that's a, a big goal for a lot of people. A lot of people have been advancing solar for many years without a, a clear clear market signals on this they just they just want to do it and they've had investment behind them and and suddenly uh suddenly it works uh, are we on the verge of a, a big change uh, in the energy industry particularly in electricity yeah we're it the whole industry is about to be turned upside down on its head uh, for two reasons one these new technologies are advancing quicker than expected and, and yeah. two the climate imperative is very much out there your and your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're talking about the president's uh, continuing push for renewable energy and the increase in that. We're joined by Andy Humler from the School of Engineering and Applied Science here at uh, Penn, and also with uh, Ruben Lobel, who's in uh, Operations and Information Management here at the Wharton School. Again, 844 844- 942-7866 is the number. Give us a call and jump in the conversation. I, I find it interesting because, you know, as somebody that, you know, I'm in my late 40s, I mean, I go back, you know, to the time when I was younger and, you know, just uh, my parents were taking me across the Pennsylvania Turnpike to see my families. The 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 speed, even though it's it's realistically been a fairly slow push, the speed at which we are seeing this now is just, it's incredible right now. Yeah, it, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna take off. One one of the the concerns though with with this is that this is happening so quickly. It's it's really starting to stress the grid. Okay, uh, and it's not so it's not so much the intermittency problem and the control problem. I think those are all problems that technology can solve. It's mm-hmm. gonna take a while. Uh, some of the policy related uh, issues, some of the regulatory issues are going to need to be worked through. I mean, the thing you need to keep in mind is you just can't plug big things into the grid without the grid being able to accept them. Uh, th- the other thing that's happening is solar power, if you feed it into the grid, uh, it happens midday. Uh-huh. And then you have this problem when the, the, the sun goes down, you have to ramp up plants very, very steeply. Uh-huh. So you have all of these older plants um, that suddenly aren't working, are, are, are idle for many hours of yeah. the day. Uh, the, uh, the folks on the electric gener- generation side are starting to get very, very concerned about this. Uh, Exelon, for instance, is considering closing down three nuclear power plants in mm. Illinois just because uh, prices during that time period have really collapsed. And uh, 
So suddenly you've got solar disruptive technology taking out an old incumbent technology. I don't know what people think about uh, nuclear, but they're very, very big zero carbon emitters on the grid. One of the other interesting things that the president brought up the other day is also the fact that not only is this going to be an industry that's going to grow, it's it's going to provide opportunities for jobs. Uh, and he specifically talked about military veterans, uh, that, that you know, the process is ongoing now of training these people coming out of the military for these specific types of jobs as well, yeah. which ends up being a huge benefit for the economy going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the employment rates in, in, uh, in a solar company, you know, per megawatt hour generator are much higher than a, a, a coal power plant. Right, so you, yeah. you you do have, uh, and and it's a skilled uh, job, you know, to and it 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 sustains a, a a regular service industry around it. Uh, he's right, uh, although I don't think that's the primary goal of the policy, though. Yeah, what yep. do you think is the what do you think is really behind it? I just think that the the primary goal of the policy is is generate clean power. Uh, yeah. it's just to you know cut down on carbon emissions. And, you know something that we should have done for quite a while, and I think it, I think it really lines up uh, the president to go to the uh, the Paris uh, conference of the parties in uh, in December of this year and be able to point out to other countries that the United States is really moving ahead aggressively on this, a little hamstrung by Congress, but using the executive power that he has, he's uh, able to unleash. Uh, uh, a wide variety of programs and demonstrate that uh, the country's made a commitment here. This is obviously not the first time that the president has been hamstrung by Congress and probably won't be the last time. (laughs) So I'm sure that he's used to that at this point. Uh, Again, 844-WHARTON is the number if you'd like to give us a call and comment. 844-942-7866. We're going to go down to Atlanta, Georgia. Anut, Anut, you have a question. Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, thanks, uh, folks, and uh, I appreciate the programming, um, uh, and I'm interested in the topic. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, ask your uh, guests about what role do energy batteries uh, uh, or energy storage batteries play in this whole equation uh, in terms of renewables? And I've heard about uh, Tesla developing um, a, a factory in Nevada um, um, on, you know, on this technology, and I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Sure. Thanks very much. Go ahead. Well, uh, yeah, energy storage is certainly the holy grail of this this entire equation. Uh, I, I think the current state of energy storage is it's still a few years off from being economical. A uh, lot of work going on there, a tremendous amount of work. Uh, in Penn Engineering, uh, there's a session on it this afternoon. Uh, a lot of people are taking a look at this. So I, I think what uh, this, this plan is doing is, again, accelerating research in that, accelerating development. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Tesla is doing is fantastic. Uh, somebody made an interesting com- comment about this the other day, and that's many years ago. None of us would have thought about paying, what, 4 or 5 $6 for a cup of coffee at Starbucks, okay? <laughs> so uh, it, th- this might be the sort of the Tesla Starbucks effect here. People might get out there and buy things that we would think of as out of, out of market. Uh, but again, this is, this is one of these technologies with 
uh, I just think some engineer, one of my students is going to come through with a breakthrough. <laughs> I hope it's pretty quick uh, t- to make this happen. And, and gives you credit for, for no, teaching that, him that, along that, the way. Yeah, that, that's that. I'll be happy. <laughs> just, well, yeah. one of the other policies that I, we, I mentioned earlier that could help a lot with energy storage is real-time pricing. To, yeah. have, to have consumers access to market signals that could really encourage a push for uh, distributed storage. Yeah. Will Will that work for though? I mean, are we at the point where the consumers will have enough understanding of that at this point? Well, if yeah. they if they're getting the economic signals, it, it, it uh, they'll start uh, behaving in different ways. Yeah. This has been shown that if you start uh, charging people more during the day, they they can shift some of their consumption. Yeah. Uh, you can see, for example, uh, uh, distributed wind generation. Uh, makes more sense, for example, if you have uh, the ability to store, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And did you? Yeah. No, I've got um, just a thought on real time pricing. Uh, real time pricing would be wonderful to, to cu- for customers to get that price signal so they change behavior. Uh, however, I'm, I'm not sure why. Any consumer would subject themselves to real-time pricing. These energy markets are extremely volatile and extremely unpredictable. Yep. Uh, what's going to happen in most cases is an intermediary would step in there, uh, buy, buy, the, buy the floating price from the market, uh, develop a – add a risk premium to it and then give the customers flat pricing. And maybe the thing to – what my hope is that is uh, these intermediaries – that you can all any of us could buy power from right mm-hmm. now. Uh, start to develop. Uh, let's just talk about on-peak pricing, off-peak pricing, or sunny pricing versus uh, nighttime pricing. That yeah. would provide the price signals. But to go to real time, uh, unless you have the very immediate ability, Penn's starting to take a look at this to see prices are jumping up, and I can close down. Not the Wharton School, but let's close down the Wharton School <laughs> for an hour. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Let me yeah, let me sure. let me chime in with a quick question because we have a caller online yeah. on hold. I don't think we can get to the caller, but at least let me ask his question. He's talking about why locations in retail, like shopping centers, aren't doing more with solar right now. I think uh, it's about to happen. They have big flat roofs. It makes economic sense. Um, and these are all bi- areas where they they need business right now. Yeah, because they're struggling I, from the retail sector. It's, I think it's going to happen. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.